You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Obviously, I am not Corey. Corey's not with us tonight. My name is Joshua Fredlin. I'm usually in the comments. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you stand where he stood? (laughs) (laughs) He will will arise. um, From the corn. From the corn. corn. (laughs) Next week. Corey of the corn. (laughs) That's totally (laughs) stuff. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm Josh Fredlin. I'm from Colorado. I usually hang out in the comments, get you guys the questions, the comments to these guys during the show. Um, I'm joined, as always, by Aaron Castro in Arizona, Liam Madigan-Fried in Houston, Texas. Well, how's your guys' week, man? Well... Uh, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. It wasn't as busy as you'd. Uh, or it was actually much more busy than you think it would be, uh, given that Houston had an away game. Uh, I did not travel to San Diego. I got to stay behind at the freaking office. Um, but honestly, just uh, got a bunch of work done in terms of uh, Houston's media outreach. So it was pretty productive. Uh, you know, watched a lot of rugby. Uh, had my heart yanked out via some rugby. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too, bro. Fucking. <laughs> Uh, so like you know we'll we'll talk about that yeah. one um but uh what else uh well it didn't happen last week oh i that did happen last week i signed the lease to my new townhouse so that'll be great i'm moving um thursday so that, that that'll be fun i hate moving and i'm not in charge of that cuz i'm in grad school that day so that's fun uh, I don't know how I'm going to survive because she, the lady, gets to take care of that. So, mo- moving takes all day, and how many classes do you have? Like, or how many? How many are you telling her that you have? Well, she day? she knows what my schedule is. It's law school, so I'm I'm just at I'm just at law school <laughs> all day. So yeah, I'll probably figure that one out. But yeah, um, yeah, so. Let's let's just get into it. Yeah. So oh, we got a, we got a rundown, don't we? Yeah, oh. I, I'm getting to it. Hold, hold your horses, Liam. I know you're so <laughs> excited to talk about Houston. Yeah. <laughs> we still got a whole game to talk about before Houston. You're freaking killing me. I know. All right. For those of you new to the podcast, each Monday night we discuss news and rumors from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby. It's a chance to look. Look and hear from the league, players, and team leadership, and check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene. With that said, Aaron, what are we covering this week? Toronto finds a win and winter in Austin. Wow. Um, San Diego continues to win at home uh, since their first opening loss to New York, so they are now 2-1. and one. Um, We're going to talk some gumbo rugby. Yeah. Uh, the America's Rugby Championship and how I'm really not as negative about that win, although a loss rather, but it still stings. Heck, but you know what? Um, Not as bad as uh, Le Rouge. They did not have a good time in Brazil. So, Uh, 
first first up is Toronto and their win in winter in Austin. Week three opened with a back and forth battle as Toronto overcame Austin twenty three to nineteen. Was it the prettiest win? But it put the arrows at one and one on the on the season while Austin fell to three and zero. Aaron, what did you take away from this game? So, so Toronto gets it done. More balance from their side with um, some really tough situations due to the ARC with how much of their side is gone. So they're going to get a boost. I think even this weekend, uh, a lot of ARC players between Canada. Well, I don't know about Canada. Maybe I should ring Kingsley Jones up. But uh, when I did speak with Garrett Gold uh, on Tuesday this last week, uh, clubs requested release of some players. Uh, that have put in significant minutes so far. So um, you, you will see some Eagles with their MLR clubs during the bye week this week. But um, let's talk about that. Man, they've got three. Well, really, like from 12 to 15, they've got some they've got some killers. But the real big ones for me were uh, inside center Spencer Jones, outside center Dan Moore, and winger Avery Oitoman, man, like they were, those guys got after it. And then another guy to look out for, of course, is this tight head prop from Kiwiland, Morgan Mitchell. Um, he just, he just did a lot of work for them, um, getting it done uh, when it came to carries, but more so just being, you know, what a tight head prop needs to be the pillar of your scrum. On the Austin side of things, they're just they're just struggling, but they're not losing by a lot, but they're still struggling. You see what they want to do. They want to play this wide open attack, but they've just they're just committing errors in the open field. Uh, at some point, uh, you know, they're going to move forward if they stay healthy. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Problem is they might not stay healthy. Uh, did check in with Thierry Dupont today. Mason Pedersen is okay, but he will not be fit. Uh, for this week's game against Glendale. And obviously we uh, here at Earful of Dirt def- definitely uh, wish Mason well. Uh, yeah, not not a good-looking injury. So, uh, But on that note, I just want to say, Austin fans, I really feel your pain on this game. It was a game that, in a lot of ways, you had every chance to win, but you couldn't quite seal the deal. And I, I should – so – Breaking it down, though, Toronto, I think, did uh, definitely better in the scrums, and it didn't hurt that they looked like the much more physically fit team in a lot of ways. Um, Austin kind of faded out towards the second half, and I think that may have had something to do with it. But the positives for Austin, though, uh, they were pretty sound in their lineouts. They were able to develop a few starter plays out of them. Uh, Ben Mitchell, I think, even had a a pair of steals uh, throughout the game that created uh, a little bit more opportunity for their offense. But like I said, they weren't quite able to take uh, advantage of, of a lot of the chances that they had. And this has been a consistent issue for Austin throughout their season. They put themselves in position to, you know, maybe pull ahead, maybe get a few more points on the board. But they end up shooting themselves in the foot with some uh, transitions that don't go their way or with penalties. So in, in, in the way that Aaron, you, you kind of said, they're very close to being a team that can win. But until they stop getting in their own way in a lot of the phases that matter, particularly towards the end of the second half when games are coming down to the wire, which a lot of them have, you know, they're, they're, not, they're, they're not going to win until they, they really make some changes, particularly in their late stages of the game. One of the things that, uh, you know, if you read the message boards, which apparently I do, and I probably should stop at times, <laughs> um, what, when it, you know, just, but uh, one of the things that, that 
I would say they've been getting hammered on, but there has been some comments. Also, people are talking about the attendance at Dell Diamond. Well, I guess if I haven't been paying attention to this, but the weather from week one to has week three sucked. has been trash. So, and apparently Austinites are mostly like, uh, the best way I can explain them is Californians in SoCal. They don't know how to drive when it's uh, raining. And even though I think it rains a lot in Central Texas, the from what I understand, some of the infrastructure stuff doesn't work out. And, well, this Friday was really bad. Uh, it was well, snowing. Like, I don't think they do snow in Austin is what I'm told. So um, look for this week to be pretty awesome. It's apparently going to be a high of 80. Dude, uh, the thing is though, why would you go? Why would you go to sit in uh, sit in the stands in a rugby game in the cold snow when you could just like bar crawl inside on Sixth Street? I mean, you know, for, yeah. for, 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 the, for the average Texan. I mean, for the average Austinite, they're gonna they're gonna as the the sign says, if you go find the wall, it says keep Austin weird. They will hang out in to the music on Sixth Street and uh, sip their adult beverage. Uh, listening to music rather than go outside with some wintry mix during a rugby match, which is what happened. Um, but enough about the weather and more to move on to some tears from Liam. <laughs> <laughs> well, so before we get to Liam's tears, uh, we'll start off by saying San Diego beat Houston 17 to 13. Corey decided to give his comments from the grave and said that Houston lost because they gave up during the last 10 minutes of play. The Sabercats had pretty much led up until the very end. Liam, you were watching this closely. What do you think? <laughs> All right. So I have a few things to say about this match. Obviously, I work for the Houston Sabercats. Let me make that bias perfectly clear, and you can call me biased. But I think Houston played the slightly better game. Now, according to official league stats provided to the Sabercats, the Houston came out of this match with a 51% possession advantage overall. However, the only problem was they only had a 49% uh, you know, uh, possession advantage of that play inside San Diego territory. This is a huge problem because San Diego has the pieces to move the ball and, and play it slowly and keep the clock working to their advantage. Unfortunately, when you play like that, you need to make sure that you at least put yourself in scoring position to take advantage of the other team's mistakes or to, or uh, at least to take advantage of um, assumingly drawing the team in closer to the center of the pitch before attacking to the outside, which is something that Coach Fitzpatrick would very much like to do. Uh, however, you should de definitely need to give testament to San Diego's defense. They bended, but they did not break. Um, the Cats had some really uh, bad turnovers, which, which San Diego was able to force in, uh, you know, in, in a lot of those instances. Uh, one big criticism I have of the Cats in this game, though, was during a lot of those punting volleys between Zach, uh, and between Zach Pangelinen and, and uh and who, who was playing? Um, Connor Kearns. Connor Kearns, yeah. Between a lot of those punting volleys uh, between the two of them, uh, Houston, more often than not, came out on the worse end of the, uh, of the eventual territory, territory gained. Uh, I think they could have taken advantage of a lot of San Diego's shortcomings if they had just played with the ball in hand, got it out to Joshua Vitti, who had himself a great game, put up the only try of the match for Houston. Malachi Esdale was everywhere, recovering his own team's uh, box kicks, because you know Connor Murphy likes to box kick the entire freaking game. 
overall, this wasn't that bad of, of you know of, of a game for Houston. They moved the ball well at points, but they just weren't able to finish. And dating back to last season, that's definitely been a problem. Uh, you know, it, it's pretty obvious their passing game is a little bit more crisp, uh, but it's just not gaining a whole lot of territory, and that's the issue. Now, I got to say, a big issue I had this had this with, had with this match though had nothing to do with either uh, squad that played on the field. It had to do up in the stands. So, according to a lot of people that I've spoken with who were at the match, the PA announcer uh, for the San Diego Legion made a lot of comments that could uh, that, that could be classified as trying to influence the official on the field, calling for multiple yellow cards against Connor Murphy as well as uh, or just. Houston's nine, but I wonder who that would that could be referring to, uh, as well as uh, making uh, rude comments about Matt Trueville trying to assert himself as captain and speaking with the referee, which is perfectly legal, uh, by the way. So yeah, not 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 sure why uh, that PA announcer came with such an air of professionality, but uh, is that a word I should know? Unprofessionality. It sounds right in this case, but uh, yeah, the dude, uh, the dude was un- being dead. it's unprofessionalism. Unprofessionalism. All right. Um, yeah, yeah. Apparently, uh, a um, if you're gonna say some off the cuff remarks, remember to press the switcher that allows <laughs> you to turn your mic off and say your off the cuff remarks. Um, yeah. So, a um, anyone who knows me knows I hate box kicking. Connor Murphy, just don't do it, dude. Um, it was no, it was not no. good. It was no, not good. The, no, like in in mo- in most cases that that Connor has played, he's actually been able to be like a freaking sharpshooter with it. When he's able to find the space and get that distance just perfect, people like Zach Pangelina and Malachi Esdell, even Connor Mills out there on the outside, have the speed and physicality to bully people in order to take advantage of the ball. And that's what Esdale was doing the entire game against San Diego. Unfortunately, it's these. It's these bad decisions that, uh, that that are made sometimes in terms of where to go with these box kicks and at what time to do them, whether or not they might be more apt to take the ball in hand. Uh, I, and during my first little rant, I didn't talk about the uh, odd decision to pick and drive towards the end of this game. That's another very questionable decision so, by, uh, Mur- by Murphy, uh, you know, who got this spot at starting nine. Not to really look at this from the San Diego uh angle because i'm not um more so since you know we got Liam to give you the houston angle um first of all i man houston missed some golden opportunities they didn't J- joshua vc is a is a different thing uh, when whenever joshua he had the VC. ball vc like th vc josh yeah. Josh, as they call him, Josh, Josh, Josh Vithi was just, you know, when he had the ball and when they got him in space, when when he was able to receive it uh, well enough. And he's a very physical runner. If you guys have noticed, it was mentioned last year that he grew two inches since he got to Houston and he's put on some weight. Like he is becoming, I think he's he's done growing, but, but he's now a like six foot three, one of those large flying Fijian wingers. Uh, and you know, he's just a powerful runner. You saw him when like the few, there were like two times where he got stopped where he was about, um, 10 meters off the try line where, you know, the, the San Diego defense was lucky because if he made the right step, uh, in reading the defense, Houston could have had those tries early on in the match. The issue really for them was that they did not, uh, I don't know what happened here, but the 
You had a front row change uh, with uh, the loose head prop and the hooker. Dean Muir came on at hooker for uh, Capellielele. Capellielele. Yeah. Cap. <laughs> Whatever. You had Faka uh, Piffaletti coming off and Capelli Piffaletti coming off uh, for, with Demir Hooker and Nate Sylvia at Loosehead Prop. And what they were able to do in the second half really negated a lot of what uh, Houston had been doing uh, in, in the first half with their, with their scrum as a, an attacking platform. Uh, a really great battle to watch if you want to watched two really good scrummagers in this league was loose head prop Jamie Deaver for the, for the seat saber cats. And, yeah. you know, Patty Ryan, who I think is just, who is the informed tight head in the league right now. And that was just, it was a battle of wits. They were like physically in the right position. There wasn't, no one was like people, they were both driving straight. There wasn't any boring trying to get, uh, you know, well, boring is basically cheating for all those who don't know it and those that who do it. So just to let you know. Um, and the but, referees that allow it and turn yes. a blind eye. Yeah, so, th- so there wasn't any of that. They were just getting after it, and it was a great battle to watch if you like your scrummaging. Um, you know, and Jamie Deaver, like he led the team in carries. He obviously was carrying them usually off the set piece. 14 uh, carries to be specific. 14 carries. So he was making hard yards in the center of the field. Uh, what the big difference for in this game was the guy who I thought wasn't going to play because we were told that he was out for two weeks uh, early last week in Joe Peterson, who I noted on Twitter is a wizard. Um, <laughs> he also protects rhinos. Um, just, uh, just, <laughs> Um, he well, well, he didn't protect Harambe, did he? So he, uh, his, uh, his nonprofit foundation, um, protects against poachers of rhinos. So that's really cool. Uh, just to put that out there. Um, we'll actually find the link and put it up. Uh, he's also verified on Twitter, so we got to get him around, but yeah, what he was able to do, uh, when it came to as a running fly half and just pick and choose the angles, he's, he's an old field general at 35 years old, but man, he plays, he plays with a difference. I don't know what it is. He is just, he likes to talk done. on the field. I'll and, tell you that much. Uh, it's obviously in proper English. Cause when he does interviews, <laughs> man, he's well-spoken, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, and, you know what he's he's a running fly half he's a kicking fly half he's pretty much got it all and it's just kind of wondering what he's able to do and he was really what was driving this team but they also have a bunch of other guys and what the difference really is you know Liam you you know you noted that they only had the ball 49% during the game in you know opposing territory in the last 20 minutes San Diego kept that ball like when they had possession yeah. inside the Houston 22. And it was just kind of wondering when the dam would burst. And then it did with Nate Augsburger, uh, you know, I, very, you know, I'm very, not, very I'm consecutively. Not really a, I'm not really a fan of Nathaniel channel as he's called on Twitter uh, being a scrum half, but I will tell you when he plays wing things happen. He does things. And he scored the try that pushed uh, San Diego over. Without that, they don't win this game. And he was just in the right position at the right time, took the great line. And 
you know, put it in the corner. Uh, but what the Sabercats, we could talk about that. So there's 10 minutes on the clock, and they decide to pick and go. Six minutes. Six, t- ten is exaggerated there, dude. Okay, it was six it, minutes. It was, I, I edited was, the footage like two hours. I think it was like, okay, it was more than why, six. Why don't we go half and half and say it was 72 minutes? Because it was it 72 like minutes. Going forever. <laughs> so it was, it was like seven minutes. And they, you know, they got the they, – they, you know, ran like two and a half, three minutes off the clock. And then what happens? Freaking turtle. Mm-hmm. So – and honestly, when, when, when you're trying to pick and go for that long, uh, uh, you know, in, in rugby, especially in a game that's so free-flowing, the chances of a penalty every single carry, every single just, phase just go up and up and up and up. You just can't and pick and go like that. This isn't football where you can just, midfield. like, rely on the first down, you know. You can't pick and go like that in the middle of the field because something is going to happen. Somebody's going to get the energy, and they're going to jackal the ball. And you're going to lose possession. Like you just do, you pick and go when you have like three minutes and you're trying to get a try and you're at the five meter line to where you just don't care. And you just go one side to the other. Cause at some point they're going to break on defense and you're going to get the try over the line, but we're at a 50 meter in the middle of the pitch. Like that was the biggest tactical error. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Sabercats the, the whole game because they, they were in position um, early on, aside from some few errors, uh, to really go up uh, in the game. If you look at the stats outside of what uh, they did with kicking meters, you know, uh, they, the Legion until the second half really didn't have it. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, was, it was a really fun match to watch if you like defense because the defenses did get after it. But it was also pretty fun to watch with offense. Both uh, attacks put up over 600 meters of attack yardage, and it, it, was, it was a good time. Heck yeah, there, guy. <laughs> so. All right, so finally, I think we have to ask this question. What have they been putting in the gumbo down in NOLA? Uh, I don't know, man. It's gumbo rubs. Spice and everything nice. You. I do declare. Oh Thank my. you, Raphael from uh, from on the melee podcast, our sister podcast, uh, for coming up with that term, and we are going to call it gumbo rugby. All right, for those, I, I'm, for I'm the- sure gift <laughs> gift gift approves uh, of the name. We should find out. Hey, hey, Gift, can you tell us what you think of Gumbo Rugby? Is right. Gift watching? What up, bro? <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Nola once again wins with maximum points. They sit top of the table with 15 from possible 15 points. Uh, just to recap, Nola has opened the season by beating Toronto. They beat the Raptors, and they just took out Seattle. So, Aaron, tell us about that Gumbo Rugby. Oh, man. So Gold Rain is just getting it done with youth, man. This team is young. Tristan Bluett, either the best or second best foreign addition this season. Oh my goodness! When it when it comes to defense, I think the thing that set the tone was that I, it was a hit, but it was a you know it was a it was a legal tackle that he made on Ben Sima. I think when you talk about Ben Sima, he's going to have to get more physical and be able to deal it as much as he gets it. Uh Tristan Bluett uh knocked uh made a punishing dominant tackle deep in the Sea Wolves backfield back uh 
uh, in the second half, which also led to a turnover for the gold. Uh, but w- when it comes to, you know, this attack, they just run it. They, they play the field position game, but they also like to make you play on your back foot. They, they, it's just this wide open high octane thing that guys like Blewett who can put the ball down with their foot, JP Eloff, man, another, when it comes to, you know, kicks from the ball, kicks from the hand, I think he had like 380 meters on 10 kicks or something like that from what he was able to do. And, you know, the Seawolves really couldn't negate that. They didn't know what to deal with uh, when it came to that, which is, you know, I had a, I had a conversation with someone. I was like, you guys really need, you don't have another fly half option. And the problem is, you know, they don't have any other kicking options right now. They've got, uh, Sema and they've got Stoller. Uh, could Shalom be a fly half again? Yes, he's, he, but he's not a kicking fly half. He doesn't put the ball down with his foot and to gain possession like that or to attack. Uh, you know, when you're doing chip kicks, trying to just play a fast tempo. Uh, but it's just, man, JP Eloff being healthy this year, he's a difference maker and he is putting. Oh, you think? He's putting his hand – he's saying, Gary, you need an actual fullback to do the things you want an actual fullback to do? I'm here. He's the, he's the informed fullback for the, of the league. Uh, he was, you know, another player of the week selection. And uh, from last season, he was player of the week. Um, you know, another – and second week on the team of the week for MLR. Uh, you know – going over some of the Seattle stuff, like I said, their attack seems to be a bit better. This is, uh, you know, the most points they've scored so far this season in 31. He's betting in. But one of the things, like I said, uh, it seems all of his old friends are keying in on him and challenging him physically. Uh, You know, I know he can play physical because we've seen him do that from the fullback position at at the Eagles level. So it's time to play physical and you know he's a big he's a big kid even though he doesn't look like it he's 6'1 about you know 200 pounds maybe he needs to eat a hamburger so he can get to 205 but he's he's a pretty big fly half for compared to some of the fly halves we've previously had um you know is Villy, you know missing for a couple months going to be an issue yes it is but the bigger issue is depth that they don't have because Aladdin Shermer is also out. So if you're missing two guys like that, two Eagle level guys that just get after it, oof, man. Um, surprisingly though, I think Api Nakatini, uh, I, I was a bit, I've been a bit, I'm not really online, but I like just in my notes and scouting, I've been a bit critical of him and his ability to go the distance in the first two weeks but in this game, he was getting the tackles done. He had the endurance to go. I think it was seventy-six minutes, and he was in—he was right in space, ready to receive a ball and score a try from um, off a try assist from Phil Mack, and he also scored a try assist as well. Uh, and then Tucker, uh, surprisingly, uh, Tucker is—I uh, was you know, impressed with what he's been able to do. His work rate uh, over the last two weeks has been something that, uh, you know, the first week I wouldn't say he was kind of absent, but uh, you know, he's filled in the the void that of a guy like Billy is out. Um, Eric Duchal 
you know, did the heavy carrying. But the the tough one is think about what Nola is missing right now. Uh, Eric Howard, uh, team captain, is off with Canada. Kyle Bailey is off with Canada flanker. Cam Dolan, number eight, is off with uh, the USA. Tony Lamborn has just gotten into town, so uh, he should be coming up in the next week or so. Uh, Nicole Bursick, I think, is unavailable due to injury. And Vince Jobo is going to be out for the next, I think, six to eight weeks. So if all these guys are healthy and they're ready to play uh, for the gold, yeah, going to be the opponent. No, honestly, and big props to Nola for being one of the most improved squads uh, this year by, by a lot. Uh, overall, I thought this game was pretty entertaining to watch, uh, in particular the second half. Uh, we can't say enough about JP Eloff. He showed some real grit out there as well. Uh, he, at one point he walked off the pitch with like a noticeable limp and he came back to hit a, to nail a pair of shots, uh, shots at the post and a few chip kicks as well. Uh, so he was still effective, even though he wasn't at a hundred percent, uh, physically, honestly, he's the perfect backfield for general for this, uh, for this, uh, team there. He's fast and dynamic. Nola tries to run a pretty fast and dynamic attack. Uh, it's a great pairing. And like I said, you can't say enough about him. Uh, overall, I thought John Sullivan looked good. I might have some bias in, uh, in, in that observation. But uh, my favorite part uh, of this game overall was the Silver Fox, known as Taylor Howden, showing the dummy to a Seattle defender before going in uh, for the try. So uh, I, told, I, yeah. told, I told Taylor yesterday <laughs> he needed to dye his hair because he is not playing – his age anymore. He's he's playing like he's 26. Uh, he talked. Uh, I, I talked to him last week, and uh, he's he said that he just he they they had a conversation. They were like, you know, hey Taylor, you're part of the future here, part of this organization, you know, because he is their now uh, appointed academy director, and but uh, we're we're bringing in some competition. Um, that you are going to have to have to play with, and he was like, okay. And he talked about what he did for fitness and, you know, he's, he's like, I knew that I had to compete for any minute I was going to get. And so I just, apparently he's doing a lot of Olympic lifting and CrossFit uh, in the off season. And now he's just on the regular uh, regimen that bum Lee who makes guys move around Atlas stones um, at West side, uh, <laughs> at West side barbell. So, I mean, let, let, let's stop beating around the bush. Him and Tom Brady are obviously vampires, uh, and they've sold their <laughs> souls in order to retain their youth uh, and keep playing the sports that they're both respectively good at. Uh, we know this is the truth because there's obviously no explanation that actually makes sense. Because if, 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 if it is all just being in shape, then that makes me feel bad about myself. <laughs> but honestly, uh, like... If we're going to be talking about real rugby, uh, God, I can't even come now. I'm just imagining Taylor Howden go, going to training and shit. But uh, overall, I thought Seattle needs to do better in their lineouts. Uh, this has been a problem for them uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I counted at least three steals from NOLA, uh, which is a huge advantage in terms of creating scoring opportunities for them. Uh, Seattle attacked really well within the 22s. Uh, Turner, I, you know, definitely uh, showed up a little bit with the ball in hand, but uh, overall, they just, for some reason, they just couldn't finish. I don't know why they don't, why the the defending MLR champions aren't 
uh, aren't staying in games the way that they should be right now. It's it's very odd, but we'll see how the season progresses, I guess. All right, so I guess it's time to move on to the ARC since we only had three games this week. Weird schedule. Mm-hmm. MLR has worked out the first part of the season. Yeah, so, right. Before we get to the USA, um, we had there are four other teams in the in the ARC this year: Uruguay, Chile, Brazil, and Canada. Uruguay Uruguay beat Chile twenty to five, and Brazil beat Canada eighteen to ten with a pretty strong scrum. You guys have anything to add? Uh, so I don't know about the Uruguay Chile game that, that score is kind of interesting. Uh, I guess it's set without Santiago Arana to, to run that attack at nine. It, I guess they kind of slowed down. They've also got some injuries as well, but, uh, Chile able to keep it a little close makes me wonder what Canada's going to be able to do against Chile. Um, Brazil watched that game. Um, yeah, uh, if unless Kingsley Jones changes something over the bye and brings in as Brian Ray uh, over at, at Ray's Rugby on Twitter, he just said, for scientific purposes, what if we just went with an old boy's front row? And, you know, so, uh, uh, you know, Eric Howard, uh, I think starting is fine at Hooker. Uh, he and my biggest thing is I, I know Ray and I uh, got into a tussle over the summer test that I got pissed off that Eric Howard was basically playing two minutes at a time. The difference is, you know, you know Ray does everything. Ray does the small things. He does the big things. But it's not about him. It's about the fact that just you have your bench, so use it. Like these guys are fresh. But so you're using Eric Howard, but his backup's not doing that well. So what, Ray was down in South America with Kingsley Jones. It's time for the Pirate to play. All right. <laughs> Just saying. It's time for the Pirate to play. Uh, as far as uh, Lou said, props, uh, you know, you've got your two best playing in MLR in Rob Brewer and Hubert Bidens. And then you've got Tom Dolezal, uh, you know, out there also with uh, the Ontario Arrows. So, you know, maybe maybe you just make it happen, Kingsley, um, against Chile because uh, you're going to need to. Uh, but Brazil, man, their scrum, the way they built that has been great. Uh, against Canada, they just – especially with Tim, uh, Tim O'Malley – uh, all, all they had to do was, uh, was it? No, not Tim O'Malley, Josh Reeves, uh, also on the Utah Warriors. You know, he was, they, they got some scrum penalties at some bad angles. So he missed a few, but basically their offense was just get past the, the 50 meter line, uh, with a scrum and just, just beat Canada up. They get the penalty kick for sticks and uh you know josh reeves did that successfully six times i think he had two other kicks that were misses but you know 18 points was enough to beat a very undynamic canada off attack they they need phil mack and they need staller uh kieran hearn also not an answer at kicker this week uh for canada uh, Theo Souter was having kicking issues the week before. 
And it's just, you guys got to fix something. So if that means you, you call up Staller and Mac, that means you bring them up. Where's O'Leary? Like, why is he playing, you know, why he didn't play much in the repechage? I don't know. But there's a bunch of guys missing for Canada, whether it's because Kingsley just didn't want to use them, which it seems for some of these guys, he just didn't want to use them because Ray just didn't suit up. You know, like there's some serious tactical issues being made. So I, I know that he wants to blood some guys, but with how bad Canada's done, you need to get as much of your core together playing match time as possible. Yeah, not, not, nothing can replace minutes, man. True. All right. So let's jump into the USA who didn't have that great of a match against an obviously improved Argentina 15. Looked to have made some better selections. Um, they they ended up the lo- USA ended up losing forty five to fourteen. Aaron, what can you say about this match? Um, I'm mad. Um, I thought that margin, dude. Like, damn. So the ref. If if you guys think Pally Deluke, I, I mean, I'm not one to not criticize refs. I think Nigel Owens and I might have a spat about that. Actually, you know, I won't criticize. I mean, I won't go and criticize them like directly and say, "Hey, Nigel, you're being a jerk. You're wrong." Um, this is what I do know from the match. Uh, the officials did not have control of the game. Um, they made a lot of questionable calls. They allowed Argentina 15 to straight cheat. Uh, you know, uh, what that, what Assad Zouk did to Paul Asike was straight cheating. It was a cynical play. He deserved a card. And I don't really care. Uh, you know, someone decided to say that the U.S. had discipline issues and said that Paul is like Manu Tuolagi and basically he's evil. Well, A, you've never met Manu Tuolagi and you've never met Paul Asike. Paul Asike is one of the nicest people out there like he's a really nice person um he also played in the nfl so he knows how to turn it on um he was in a dangerous position he probably uh, someone said hey he should have just let his leg go limp and then he should have just scraped his cleats right across that dude's face um as a way of escape that's a a wrestler's move so i don't know uh if if paul uh has those uh you know, has that wrestling background, but that, that would have been a way, but I, my, my biggest, my opinion is that that dude got lucky that Paul stamped on his back. He didn't stamp on his head or his neck. I don't want to hear any of that trash. It did not, that did not happen. Should Paul have gotten a card? Yeah. But, uh, it should have been two yellows for me. And if you're going to give, if you're going to give Paul a red, Assad Zouk needed a yellow. Like that's the truth. Um, the Eagles did not adjust to the way this ref team was refing. I felt like we were playing the All Blacks with how many homework calls they got. Uh, don't really know what was going on, but we just didn't adjust. We played really poorly uh, during the first twenty minutes. We were out physically uh, Argentina fifteen, but we were just screwing it up. We were knocking the ball on, turning the ball over with handling errors. It just we were just not playing well but we were still beating them up physically until we lost Paul. And then we played, you know, down uh, four, 14 to 15. And at one point, uh, you know, Johnny Locks, my boy, John Quill, uh, he has previously been a card machine. Uh, I'm not saying he's a card machine anymore, but our guys, our guys were getting frustrated. 
straight up with the way this thing. So I'm surprised, you know, I wasn't surprised, you know, Hanko or John or, or even Cam Dolan, like our guys that are forced to go after uh, Bryce Campbell, like the guys that have to go get the work. I, I'm not surprised that one of them got a yellow and we had to play 13 on 15. Uh, something to the note that we did get some calls back. Uh, we did score a penalty try, but it was kind of completely obvious Like you could not like get away with not calling that. And then the butcher going in, uh, towards the end, because you know we got pride, and so so we scored some points at the end. Um, to talk about Argentina fifteen, some people want to talk down against Argentina fifteen, but this is the bet, most talented and best Argentina fifteen that has played in the Americas Rugby Championship after Felipe Contepomi left the position as head coach last year, and they had some more losses. Uh, they audited the program. They widened the selection pool because uh, Arge- Argentina will be fielding a team in the Curry Cup, so they need to develop a bigger uh, professional base. And they're also going to have supposedly, I don't know this uh, for a fact because, you know, everyone knows that I'm the most cynical person in the world uh, when it comes to professional rugby. Uh, supposedly they will have two teams in Liga Americana, which is the South American Professional League. So they need to develop more professional depth and that's what they've done uh, by bringing in some Jaguares bench guys, guys who are competing for Jaguares contracts and guys who are going to be on that Curry Cup squad. Uh, so, you know, they, they, they gave it more money and they were serious about it. And, you know, what did that do? It punched us in the mouth and that's what we needed. Uh, we, as a program, we needed to actually know where we were. And, yeah, we're still 12th in the world. We are where we should be, but there is still more to go on this journey towards the World Cup than, you know, thinking. Because if they had done the same, if you, Argentina had done the same thing with this program that they'd previously done, we would have won by two or three tries and, you know, we'd roll through the ARC without a punch in the mouth and we we wouldn't really know where we are. No, definitely. And, you know, like I said, nothing can really like replace minutes, but nothing can uh, replace experience either. And getting punched in the mouth and making like and seeing like like the areas where you have to improve um, is kind of made easier where you see where you got exploited and getting that on tape, you know, where, uh, you know, where where they were able to exploit us. You know, that's, you know, that that's what you're going to have to like see in in film study. That's where you're going to have to be like, well, this is exactly what we need to concentrate on. And, you know, hopefully we improve going forward. All right. Well, there ain't much we can do about it this week since the ARC is taking a bye week, just like the Six Nations. So let's just get right into picks and previews for next week. Uh, Last week, Toronto and Austin. Aaron actually came the closest. He had Toronto winning by five. Liam, you had Toronto by 12. And Corey had Austin by three. Ha. <laughs> uh, Houston and San Diego. Uh, with picking the correct side, Corey was closest at San Diego minus seven. Aaron, you said San Diego minus 12. Liam, you had Houston minus three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey actually, for Seattle, Nola, Corey actually had the spread right. Just the wrong team. <laughs> <laughs> he, had, he had Seattle minus 10. So, Aaron, picking correctly, you were closest at NOLA minus eight. Liam, you had NOLA minus two. Apparently, I'm doing pretty well in the Super Brew League, uh, both for Reddit and the Earful of Dirt League. I, 
I am surprised because usually I'm wrong. And I can tell you there is definitely no insider trading going on because I'm just like every one of you. It's you paying the referees. Uh, oh, there, <laughs> there is that. Yeah, never mind. No, I, 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 I don't look at the rosters until um, the official window, which is when they get released uh, by the teams because, you know, there, there's no point in, you know, looking at other things. Uh, all right. Um, moving on to the standings, uh, New Orleans at the top, man. Three bonus, three try bonus points. Uh, wow. Uh, 15 points. They are, you know, they could lose this week and they're still going to be, they're probably still, still going to be on top, but they're not, no, I don't, I don't think they're no going to lose No one could overtake them. We're going to talk about that. New Orleans is atop with 15, but 15 total points in the table. San Diego has moved to second in the table with nine points. Toronto and Seattle are tied for third with six points on the table. Houston uh, is in fifth, moving up actually uh, with five points. Utah and New York Idol uh, had four have four points each with wins. Uh, Glendale and Austin. Uh, sit at the bottom with two points. Uh, Glendale is actually, I guess, a half game ahead because they've only played two fixtures. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, that that's a that's a fun time. As you know, tearing upon my conversation today really was. Uh, you know, we know we shouldn't be here. We have a lot of things to work on, and we're gonna, you know. You know, we're just going to get it done, and it's going to turn. Like, they're, they're pretty confident in Austin and what they're trying to do. And it's just, you know, when you change the roster as much as they did, it does take time. But match previews. We're here. Sunday's going to be a busy day for people. But first up, we got New York and NOLA on Saturday in New Orleans. So... How we doing? How we doing? I'm going. I'm going. Gumbo rugby by eight. No one minus eight. I'm going to go ahead and back my my friend Dan Falcon. Uh, Nola minus two. Shout out to Dan. I know he usually listens to this podcast. Hey, we get listened to like owner familia. That's cool. <laughs> See. Uh, so Corey has selected Nola, and he's going with the same spread as last week with ten points. Next up on the first game on Sunday is Utah oh at San Diego. My Sunday is going to be awful. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, talk- since you have two games on at once. Oh yeah, let's we can talk about that later. One, uh, one on the phone, one on your laptop. Uh, so Utah Warriors at San Diego Legion. First game of the day is I'm going San Diego Legion minus five because they really haven't opened up on their attack yet. Uh, and you know, they've every game they've been in has been close. Uh, I'm gonna go with the San Diego Legion minus three. I hate to put San Diego on a win streak after uh, after this past weekend, but the unbiased journalism uh, journalist in me says uh, San Diego will be able to use their really talented spread attack and get uh, get get the victory over Utah. Uh, Corey's continuing his trend of large spreads, wow. he's picking San Diego minus 13. I'm not. Next up is the CBS Sports Network Game of the Week. Glendale at Austin at Dell Diamond. Oh, so I'm gonna have to watch the back half of oh man. Jeez. Yes. This is this is well at least the 
the ESPN game you can rewind and start from the. Oh, don't don't worry, Nick. Don't worry. Next week's going to be worse. There's two games on at the at the exact same time. Oh gosh! Wow. That, yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. Uh, so I'm going Glendale Raptors minus two. Uh, AER's losses haven't been that big, but uh, like I said, if you look at the Glendale attack, it's running. They just need to hold on to the ball. You need some stickum. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going with Glendale going minus eight. Uh, I cannot see Glendale dropping uh, another game, so – uh, ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully, I'm right on this, but maybe this is the week that Austin gets it together. Yeah, we, we just have to hope they don't drop the game like they dropped the ball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> once again, Corey is going with the large spread. He has picked Glendale minus thirteen. It's a mighty tall, tall stock of corn, Corey. Corey be predicting. Yeah, and then is that how they we, talk in Iowa? I have <laughs> no idea, to be honest. All uh, right, next up, we got Canada at Canada Light. So, Toronto <laughs> at Seattle. Uh, so, it, it is a home match for Seattle. They do play well in front of that crowd. It is going to be loud. It's going to be like, well, actually, some people have some things to say about the small but very loud crowd in Austin. So, maybe not. But it's going to be pretty loud. Going to Seattle minus three. Uh, I'm going to disagree with Aaron on this. I think Toronto uh, is probably going to have the slight more slight advantage in the scrum here. I think that's going to put them over the edge. I'm going to go Toronto minus four. And Corey has gone the opposite end of the spectrum. He has picked Toronto minus two. So, Josh, what are your picks? Because you, you're filling in. What are your picks? Um, I'm going to say Nola minus five against New York. I think New York has the talent. They just – They've only played one game, and Nola has been playing really well. Um, San Diego, I'll go minus eight. Utah, Utah is the same way as New York. The schedule is just quirky that way, where both teams have only played one game in the first three weeks, four weeks, excuse me. And um, Glendale, I'll pick Glendale, but I'll go minus five. Um, until they show me they can hold on to the ball, I really don't see it. They might pick it up, but who knows? Um, honestly, I can't pick one for Toronto, Seattle. I think it's it's going to be a toss up. So a draw. Yeah, that'll work. And now it's time for everyone's favorite segment: questions um, from Bob. Well, before Bob. we get to, before we get to that, um, just to just to. Yeah, wound Liam some more. How about that ninety-eight to twenty-one shellacking uh, in the scrimmage mm. that uh, the Free Jacks got by Utah last week? You know, are, are they going to be ready for the Care Cup? <laughs> well, are they going to are they going to be able to take the Care Cup? Well, here's the thing: the Free Jacks still aren't on a still aren't on a practice schedule that's on par uh, with, with Major League Rugby, uh, nor. No, uh, nor is their physical training uh, hey, schedule. Hey, Diego gets steak and eggs every Friday. From <laughs> I don't. Diego, you know. Diego is underratedly fucking big in person, <laughs> but 
so, but 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 I digress. Utah rolled out a lot of their ones in this game, and uh, from from what I heard, though, the Free Jacks had had uh, a lot of phases in which they actually dominated, but they shot themselves in the foot. Uh, you know, when when it came to um, fin- finishing inside the opponent's twenty-two. Um, you know, oh, when you yeah, exactly. So when when you go up against a, an MLR team that's in season against you know a team that's still in the in the very beginning of its infancy stages from going from uh, club to pro, it, this, this is the result. Like, like whenever uh, MLR teams scrimmage, you know, smaller teams, like this is the result that we want to see. I mean, the fact that, you know, uh, that the free Jacks didn't get shut out is a great sign. They definitely have the talent to, uh, to go forward. And I think Boston's going to be one of the top teams next year. I'm, I'm going to quote me straight up dead ass, bro. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, if, uh, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, I wonder what the care cup will hold for them. But, uh, if, if that is the indication, it might be a bit rough. Yeah. You got to start somewhere, man. All right. Now it's time for questions from Bob. Uh, All right. I think we kind of answered this one earlier, but so from SD Yeti, how is Mason Patterson doing? Um, like I said, uh, in con- well, a little more detail. He should be – he's in concussion protocol, uh, and but he's, he's, he's all right. I mean, he's good to go. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, what, what Aaron said. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so which foreign import player has impressed you the most in their first season of MLR from so- the Murph 2? <laughs> so uh, my favorite import so far has been. Can I just go with like the entire front row? Uh, well, I guess Jamie Deaver um, is, is not necessarily uh, new, um, but hey, uh, O'Toole, O'Toole was on yeah. San Diego last year, man. That, uh, that's true. So I'm just, I'm just, I guess I'm just gonna have to stick with what I put in the script. Uh, Charlie Connolly. He's a he's not only a very physical. Yeah, he's not only a very physical player, he's a very smart player, uh, really nice guy off the pitch, really mean guy on the pitch. That's exactly what you want when you're trying to build a culture on and off the field. Um, he, like, like I said, he plays the game very intelligently. He doesn't let other uh, props like you know try to F, try to F around with uh, him and his hooker. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so no, I'm definitely Charlie Connolly. All right. From Darrell Owens on Twitter, because I don't know how to pronounce his Twitter handle. Austin has lost three matches by a total of 13 points. Are they that close to being a winning team or just the beneficiaries of catching teams on their first match and with players away for national duty? Uh, I mean, like I said earlier, it's going to turn. Like It's going to have to. Other, otherwise, it's, it's either going to turn or they're going to get injuries. That's what's going to happen. I don't think they're going to go on a winless season by any means, but at the same time, like I said earlier, a lot of their problem has been not, you know, has been getting in their own way and not, uh, not capitalizing on chances when they're there. So unless they make some significant improvements in terms of how they, in terms of how they go about situational rugby, especially in the end game, I, you know, I, I don't think it's going to get that much better. I mean, hopefully th- th- there will be a turnaround because like we've been saying, they're in every game but we'll have to see how it goes from here. All right. From he who walks slow. <laughs> if in the future, the MLR, MLR hosted in an all-star game, what kind of format would you like to see? 
Um, Gladiator Deathmatch. I guess. Uh, um, the, the concept of a North American Barbarians has, you know, been discussed previously, so you, I wouldn't really call it North American Barbarians. We need to come up with a sweet name like the Lions have. But we would call them like the North American Grizzlies. We can do that. North American Grizzlies. I like that. Um, and versus uh, the Exiles would be what I would sort of do. Because you can't have because you can't do Americans versus everyone else because then that's basically just the Eagles. I mean, MLR East versus MLR West could you know could be a viable option. Oh, you want to do you want to do simple? Okay. Yeah, if, 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 I mean it's an American <laughs> market, dude. Come on. Let's <laughs> let's just do it well, easy. So, since we're modeled off of MLS, could we pull an MLS and just bring over a club team in the preseason, like a super rugby team or something? Oh, I mean, that's a really good concept to do. Uh, I would like to see uh, a, like everyone who's not in the Eagles or Canada be folded into a, a, uh, an all-star team and then have them play against the Eagles and Canada as warm up matches to see how it would go. That that would be entertaining to watch. Be something new. Was it? Didn't um? Didn't the women do that a couple years ago? Didn't they? Yeah, the they, they before the World Cup they played the WPL All Stars. Yeah. All right. From Bobby Digital Twenty Four, could the panel of Earful of Dirt play in MLR? Well, my diet consisted of mainly ramen and burgers from up the from from the pub up the road. So, no. Um, no, so I'm not clear for contact yet. Uh, <laughs> so. That's your excuse. <laughs> uh, B, uh, I'll be honest, man. These guys, like, you know, very much different standard of rugby player than I've ever been. Uh, to be honest, like, we're talking, I'm a, I'm a five foot nine you know, 190 pound hooker that is slow, uh, you know, around the park. Uh, you know, I can hook pretty well. I can throw in decent, but that's, I can carry. Okay. But that's, that's about it. Um, so I'm, I'm good for a few pick and goes, you know, it's like, uh, it's like pickup basketball. I'm good for, you know, two shots a game and that's it. But I do, I, I want to do this. I do have an invitation from Nola gold. We're going to do it at some point, not this summer, but hopefully next summer, what I'm going to do is preseason get a contract signed by Nola because this concept is from somebody else. I stole it from the great baseball writer Tom Verducci. The, the concept is I come in first week of camp. Uh, I, I you know do a series of I guess keep a diary. Probably uh, you know in this day and age of social media, you got to do vlogs for every day. But uh, a week's worth of camp and, uh, you know, and at the end, because I'm obviously not going to make it right. Uh, and you, get, you sign the contract first day. Show hold, up hold, every on, day. hold on. Can we, can we clarify? Is that a contract or an injury waiver? <laughs> <laughs> I probably have to do the injury waiver too. <laughs> but the deal is the, the concept goes like you sign a contract for like the contract would stipulate that it's going to terminate in seven days, whether you're decent or not. And I'm not going to be decent anyways. And then I would get cut uh, at the end of the first week of camp. 
And uh, then I just talk about the experience uh, here on the show. We'll put out, you know, a docu-series, all that stuff. Uh, but we're going to get that done. Uh, I just need to figure, I just need to get the time. It'll be fun. And, you know, we'll actually see how broken of a human I am because I've got a lot of injuries. <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that one. <laughs> My answer is going to be no, unless you consider being in shape as round. I'm just, I can be a bowling <laughs> ball sub for two minutes. <laughs> a five meter scrum. Just like I, I, don't, put in I don't think, I don't think I'll make the roster at NOLA. Cause they've got, uh, they've got Eric Howard. Okay. They've got Matt Harmon and they've got Mason Bryant. Yeah, they're they're way better than me, so there you go. So take them out one by one. <laughs> <laughs> I Just only see the me. that's the only option. <laughs> All right. How do you think road games for sides like Nola and San Diego will factor into the way they play? Um, from big Nola guy. Uh, well, everyone is playing in good weather when they come to New Orleans, so if it's good weather, uh, I think. New Orleans will do fine on the road. Uh, San Diego has played in some varying conditions, so they'll probably do okay. Uh, yeah, M- my only guess is that fitness might take a bit of a hit just because of uh, travel time, cutting into training time. But other than that, not much. From the segment's namesake himself, Bobby Bobberson. Bob. How long until Nola's all offense soft defense strategy fails and they drop a game? I'll give it another week or two. Not not this week because I picked Nola to win, but it's coming. It's not an undefeated season, man. I can guarantee that. So look uh, I might at, be eating my words. Holy crap. <laughs> look at who's coming back from the ARC when that thing's over. It's it's probably the the defense is gonna get better, and I bet the offense gets better too. Bob. And so if that means you're asking about when Utah plays Nola, uh, you better get you better get good this week. Telling you. All right, from WHS Junior, how are we doing last year in terms of official numbers? So I usually ask this question every week. I didn't ask this question the last two weeks because maybe sometimes it's better to just get the numbers at the end of the season. I'll, I'll check midseason. But uh, across the board, except for Austin because their weather's been crap, uh, they're doing really well uh, the last three weeks across the league. You know, James Kennedy talked about this over on Rugby, Rugby Wrap-Up, and the real reason why they're not playing in New York early or even Toronto is to build the base because it's, it's not the wet. The weather really isn't about the players unless it's a blizzard and you know, you just can't play at all. Um, it's about the fact that we don't have a, a fan base that is like the, uh, the, the green Bay Packers fan base, whereas they post one thing on Twitter and you have, you know, 500 people coming with their own snow shovels to take $10 for the day and shovel out Lambeau field. Yeah. I'm pretty sure had something similar to that too, where you got free tickets if you went and helped shovel, but uh, the Sabercats have yet to play a home game. Um, and I'm not exactly allowed to comment on uh, ticket sales, but it's not negative. 
<laughs> also, I don't feel that confident in Glendale just because there's been nothing from them whatsoever. I heard their I heard it's, their uh their glitter season, and grit. Oh I heard their season ticket event it was lit and then they have this this well they did a ladies' night last year. They just didn't call it glitter and grit though. That was kind of funny. <laughs> Uh, who, who knows? Hey, at least they're putting something out there. That's all I ask. You just need to put something out there. All right. From Tross92, have y'all heard any rumblings about Austin moving to Vegas? Yeah, um, I also heard that John Gruden is going to buy the team and he's going to trade Derek Carr to them. <laughs> uh, this one is like, because it was, I think it was asked last week. And that, this actually came up in my conversation. It, it was kind of funny. Uh, it was it was laughed off because apparently, you know, Austin is, has also been in talks to try and host sevens, like the city, not not Austin Elite. Like the city is trying to get the USA stop. So that's fun, right? Where would they hold it? Uh, they could hold it at. I mean, everyone talks about how the NFL stadiums are too big. But all the stadiums that they play in are huge, so they could. I guess you could hold it at Daryl K. Royal Memorial. Hundred thousand. I, I, I don't think hundred thousand person that, cavern, but it would be great for nightlife uh, because you could just walk to Sixth Street two blocks over from mm-hmm. Memorial Stadium. I mean, they where they where they hold it in Sydney this year. That place wasn't that big. You'd probably hold it in Dell if you wanted to. Yeah, so there you go. All right. From at the Benjamin Rush on Twitter, how much do you reckon a NOLA Gold 2019 MLR championship t- championship tattoo costs? Uh, most places have a $100 minimum to get a tat, so start there. So I said to the guy, I was like, so how big do you want this? Do you want it to be a chest piece? Do you want it to be a big back piece going in between the shoulder blades, you know? And he was like, no, I want it on my calf. And I was like, well, it depends on, you know, how much work you want done. But I said, you know, if, if someone tries to, if it's less than 500 bucks, you probably should run away because you're, at least my calf is huge. So it would take a couple yes, hours. Yes, huge calves. I mean... I got I got mine done by like an independent prof- uh, like I have a I have an oak tree going down my spine. Uh, I got mine done by like an independent professional. Like you know he's like he was licensed and everything. He just didn't do it at a shop, so he makes more money. Um, and it only cost me one hundred and fifty uh, just for um, the black and white. Um, you know, not not the shading cost a great deal uh, more money, but it was pretty decent though. Well, I mean, it, you can get lines done pretty fast. Yeah, uh, it's the it's the other. Stuff that takes time. All right. That's all we got for tonight, guys. Any final thoughts? Uh, um, well, I'm happy that there's a bye this week, so uh, no Eagles can get a red card. <laughs> um, oh, any any word on that, by the way? Yeah, I don't. I I don't think we'll get anything until. Well, usually the hearing is. Tuesday or Wednesday because he's going to have to go to a hearing for that. So I don't see anything coming from that for a couple days. But the, when Santiago Rada's suspension was 
issued, it came through the, the World Rugby Spanish Twitter rather than like an article yes. with all this article with a bunch of sanctions from the, the Six Nations and the ARC. So, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, the Sabercats are on another bye. Um, their next game is against the Toronto Arrows on uh, February 22nd. Um, it'll be held at Constellation Field, home of the Sugarland Skeeter, Skeeters, and the theme is Passport to the World Night, where uh, the many uh, backgrounds of both the Houston Sabercat players and the city of Houston will be celebrated. It's going to be lots of activities for both kids and adults alike. So anybody down in the Houston area or who has the ability to travel to Houston, I would definitely recommend coming out. It's going to be a really fun night. Can I just, I will say this one more time. Last time I say it, maybe not. Glendale, please do something about your media publicity. I've been nothing I've seen coming from you guys whatsoever. Hire Josh. <laughs> Hey, if if I could do marketing, I would, but I don't know how to do marketing. I'm an operations guy. Yeah. So, all right. On our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby teams or the league. Karen Castro is employed by Major League Rugby, and Liam Madigan-Fried is employed by the West Houston Lions and the Houston Sabercats. Be sure to tune in next week. We're live on YouTube each Monday night and available on your favorite podcast platform each Wednesday morning. If you like what we do, please subscribe to our YouTube and iTunes feeds and wherever else you get your podcast from. It helps other folks find us. Be sure to share your own news, views, and abuse with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our Reddit subreddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash mlrugby. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.